Hi, and thanks for joining us today on the ProGrace podcast, where we're having new conversations about abortion. I'm Angie Wesley, and our hope with this podcast is that as we take the risk to have honest, non-political discussions about this important issue, that you'll be inspired to do the same. So today, Denise and I are here in Tucson, Arizona. Hey, everybody. It is sunny and 80, and we're here with our good friend, Jeff Logsdon, lead pastor of Hope City Church here. Hello. Thanks for having me. We're so excited to actually be in the church. Yeah. I'm excited for you to actually, we're not talking on the phone, we're face to face. (laughs) Yeah, we are here. Yes. Yes, it's so great. And I, I do have a funny story about Denise on the way here. Once again, throwing Denise <laughs> under the bus. Go ahead, Angie. <laughs> I don't know if we told you this, Jeff, but she gets her idioms mixed up. And often she'll combine two beautifully, but they're wrong. Uh-huh. So today I went into the Starbucks in Phoenix because we drove from Phoenix this morning. And the young woman there was so sweet. She's like, hi, how's your morning this morning? And I said, oh, it's great. How about you? And she's like, thanks. I'm a little cold. I was a little cold coming to work. And I said, are you kidding? You know, I live in Colorado. This is nothing. So I was repeating this story to Denise, and Denise said, Oh my gosh, these people, they need to come to Chicago and get some skin on. (laughs) And then I was like, I think what I mean to say is, Well, there's this thing, get your game on. I don't even know what that means, but I think I meant thick skin. Thick skin. They need to have thicker skin. Got it. So I think I was. It took me a full 30 seconds to be. To think that's not a thing right. to no. get your skin on. Like, no. you know, I, yeah. I just was going along and I was like, wait a second, that's yeah. not right. right. So I hope you have your skin on yeah. today. My Jeff. skin is on. <laughs> your skin is on. And yes. uh, however, I need to say that I think I'm staying here because I don't really want to go back to Chicago right now. It's an Arctic blast. And Jeff, you did mention that you have cots with memory foam. Memory foam. <laughs> camping has come, urban camping yeah, has come a so long urban, way. You know, Speaking of memory foam, not having my skin on, I think I'm staying in Arizona <laughs> yeah, for a little we're going longer. Back tomorrow, yeah, right, you better right, get right. your skin on. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. my skin on. <laughs> so, Jeff, we're so excited to talk to you today. I'm trying to think. We've known you for at least two and a half, two years, maybe two and a half years. I think so. And I still remember from the first time you came to a Progress workshop in Phoenix. I was inspired. I so respected your honesty and transparency in a whole group of pastors because yeah. you're a lead pastor and so your peers were in the room and you were so honest and that comes out of a journey that you've had with God and mm-hmm. that's what we'd love to talk to you about today because you know one of the pro-grace values is we look at ourselves as believers first and let God do that work in us mm-hmm. uh, and before we are trying to help anybody else on the journey right. realizing we're on the journey too sure and we need his help on the journey so would love for you to jump in just why you're passionate about the topics of unintended pregnancy and abortion and mm-hmm. just kind of your history your story in that yeah i think when we first met we were in phoenix and to me hearing that there was that there was a, a different narrative that people weren't you know, when, when we take sides, no one wins. Um, when we take sides, oftentimes we're not listening, we're talking. And there was, there is the pro-life side. There's the, you know, the, the, um, pro-choice side and hearing that there was a third option to that conversation pro-grace, I think was interesting to me. Um, I was invited by hands of hope here in Tucson to join you all in, uh, Phoenix, and not really knowing what to expect, but I was thinking back on, I grew up in Southern California and in Southern California, um, 
the first time abortion hit home with me wasn't even in the moment that I was that I had one. It was when I was applying to a Bible college and I had to write out a testimony and I was sitting at the keyboard typing that out. And that was the first time where the spirit of God revealed to me, Hey, what about this part of your life? What about going to include it? You're just typing other things about your life and he brought it to your mind. Yeah. It was never a part of the, you know, I, and I've been through some pretty shameful experiences in my own mind. Divorce was one of the hardest. Um, Depression as a pastor, 12 years in ministry Mm. was another one that I talk freely about. Bankruptcy is another one that I talk about. These are things I grew up as uh, a, a younger person People didn't talk about. No. Yeah. Um, no. I can go so far as to say, and this is not like one that people shout from the rooftops, but until I was 18 years of age, I wet the bed. And wow. so imagine wow. the embarrassment of, can yeah. I spend the night at my friend's house yeah. because I'm going to wet the bed? So wow. here's the correlation with that. I remember my wife at one point saying, second wife. Um, Who's your wife now? Correct. Yeah. And we have three kids. God has... God has extended his grace in so many ways, you know, through the the healing and restoration I've experienced. Um, but I remember her saying, hey, um, I have uh, realized, I've observed that all your friends are girls and you don't have any guys that you're mm-hmm. friends with. And I said, yes. I said, I'm kind of an alpha male type personality and everything's competitive and it just gets exhausting after a while. So here's the tie-in. Yeah. So she said, well, what are you going to do about that? So in that moment, as a pastor, I'm a pastor at this point, and it's like, I need to do something about this. So I, we started a men's group. And the tie-in to the bedwetting, which seems random on our podcast, no, is, is you know, this is vulnerable, yeah. right? <laughs> right? Let's just be vulnerable. Let's go all the way. Yeah. So, so here's the thing. I shared about that with this group of guys. And I'm talking about affluent businessmen yeah. that are in charge of multi-million dollar projects. I'm talking about institutionalized inmates, you know, 20 years in prison. The whole gamut is there. In this men's group, we'd been meeting for three years at this point. And randomly in that conversation, I said, hey guys, this isn't really a popular thing to say, but I had wet the bed until I was 18. And here's the embarrassment that comes with that. And looking across that room, this guy said, well, I've got something to share with you. I haven't slept in the same bed with my wife for the last two years. We've been in a group this entire time and he never shared that. But you you being transparent allowed him to... Now, here's the next thing. I'm like, well, he's not sleeping with his wife because he wet the bed, right? (laughs) (laughs) And he goes, no, that wasn't it. He goes, our marriage is in crisis. And he said, I've not shared that with anyone for two years. And so coming back to that testimony, the the things, the bankruptcy, the depression, the, you know, it wasn't that I want, didn't want to share about abortion. It was that it was not my problem. Mm. It was, I thought, it was my first wife's decision and I had nothing to do with it. I abdicated that. And so that was the fight with the spirit of God in that moment at the keyboard um, was Jeff, this is your thing too. Mm. You were there. And I, and I fought, I said, I didn't, I wasn't the one that decided that. And then the thought was, yes, but you were there. And I said, but again, you know, I wasn't the one that actually went into that room. He said, but here's the thing, Jeff, you were a part of it and you did nothing and you said nothing. Wow. 
and in that time I pushed back from the keyboard and just sobbed yeah. and was like, well, okay, so now what? Like I'm learning this for the first time. And I, you know, I have to wonder in our churches and in, in our, in the marketplace and, you know, in places where we get to hang out with people, what are we not, what are what are we not sharing? Yeah. What are we not saying? Yeah. Not even um, owning. You didn't even own. Not even aware of, of sometimes. Yeah. And so here's the odd part of that is, so I, there was a point in time where I would try and sweep things under the rug and not very um, confrontational. And it's just easy to look the other way. And I think having wrestled through these challenges personally, I had to get to the point where I had to say, if I'm going to be a different person for the next person I get to be with, or, you know, the people that God will cross my, bring across my path, I, I have to stare these things in the face and figure out how to work through them. And so that began the process that day with regard to abortion. And so God used Dr. James Dobson, Tilly, that story about a mom who had a dream Mm -hmm. that her aborted child met her in heaven. Right. And God extended her grace, you know, this, and this is an audio. I think you can look it up, you know, on, on, you can Google it, but the audio, as I remember it was a, a, um, a meeting with this mother and her aborted child in, in heaven. And the child said, I don't blame you, mom. Wow. And she said, I'm in God's arms and we're looking forward to seeing you. And so I'm dealing with this and, you know, that was a drip, a drop of Mm -hmm. God's grace. Um, I remember working through a Freedom in Christ seminar where someone said systematically, what are the things that you've wrestled with? And let's let's confess those things. And I don't come from a pastoral background. So when I talk about confession and repentance, it's not with an institutionalized perspective in mind. It's being mindful that I was the kind of person that hated to hear those words, you know, and refuted those things and come to understand that there is power in being able to verbalize those things and to release them and to say, God, I need your help. And so the, the importance of sharing that is in Southern California, where I grew up, that's when I dealt with it um, for the first time. Coming to uh, Tucson, which I did reluctantly. I've been here six years now um, after 41 years in Southern California. So I come here reluctantly because we want to further the work that God's given us the opportunity to do and plant more churches here in Tucson and beyond. And um, our parents are here. My parents and my wife's parents are here. So grandkids get to be with grandma and grandpa on both sides. And so there's the value, but coming here... Um, I would have never been a part of um, what we get to do through through this podcast in 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 confronting. Um, I, I say having conversations, having conversations um, with people who've experienced the things that I've experienced, and so um, I say that because hands of hope. Uh, crosses my path. And uh, John Tabor was the director at that time, Elisa Medina Mm -hmm. and her husband, Fernando, dear friends, um, have been people that have invested in me in this season. 
and God brings it back to the forefront again. Wow. And I'm thinking, you know, God, I've dealt with that. It's good. <laughs> right, right. Um, it wasn't fun the first time, but yeah. thank you for yeah, the work right, that you've right. done. Let's yeah. check it off the list here. Right? And so there's a ministry, and I know this isn't just here in Tucson. It's, it's nationwide from my understanding, but it's called Deeper Still. Is that the one you... Uh, no, oh. I, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. The deeper walk is okay. familiar with. So deeper still is a retreat setting um, meant to allow people to experience what I experienced mm. in an environment where they're not, they're not doing it alone. They're right. doing it with people who've gone through similar, uh, have had that in their, in their history. And uh, it's just so powerful. Mm. So I never saw this coming, but between John Tabor and Elisa Medina as the executive directors of Hands of Hope in their own times, getting invited to serve on the board with Hands of Hope. Yeah. And I'm like, I, you know, I get that I'm a person of influence, <laughs> but, but not sure. Why this and, issue? And here's and why, why yeah. because you mentioned, you know, what that history looked like for me in Southern California. And again, it's no one wins when we take sides. Right. Is my experience with abortion was passive. It was the imagery of someone who had red duct tape over their mouth. Yeah. And yes, I get the symbolism of being a voice to the voiceless and the dr dramatic effect of the red duct tape, mm -hmm. but it still presents an image that pushes me away. Yeah. Yeah. And so coming here, it's that's someone else's fight. It's not mine. Yeah. And again, the spirit of God is saying, but you're a person of influence and this is wreaking havoc so many people have this this shroud of darkness mm -hmm. in their lives, and there is no safe place to tell that yeah, story. Right. And you know what it's like to experience that freedom. Mm -hmm. Who are you working through that with? Wow. So Deeper Still emerges. And um, I go to Deeper Still, and, and this is my own naivety. I show up. Uh, dutifully. And when I get there, you can imagine I'm the only guy in a room of women, um, much less uh, a leader in a room of women. And I'm sitting there going, uh, so I'm here as a board member. And they're like, no, you're not. And I'm thinking, okay, so I'm here as a pastor. And they're like, no, you're not. And I'm thinking, oh no, I'm like, I'm here because I'm someone who has experienced an abortion. Yeah. Wow. And, and you were the only man. The only man. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to, I mean, we're on a podcast and I don't know who will experience the deeper still environment, but there is one day where we're overlooking a vista and there's a table. Um, it's covered with a cloth and the contents of the table are not disclosed and they unveil it. And there's a ceremony to re, um, present the male with the authority that has been given to the male as as a head of the household um as a loving father um here's your sword you know there's a sword that's presented and yeah. to the women you're you're the mother you're the nurturer of the household you know um and we want to restore you to that place because we know that you know I'm only speaking personally at this point but how much is have I um, felt robbed of in the decision that I made to be a part of this abortion. And so in that room, the reason I'm telling you about that is you can imagine there's women all around me. And for the first time, they're seeing a man, mm. the man who represents the other man in their circumstances yeah. saying, 
I did this too. And I'm sorry. Wow. And the tears that were there. And so when they unveiled the table, it was a table full of bears, teddy bears. And they said, that bear represents your child. And we want to give you the opportunity to go and, and, and embrace your child. And the the healing, yeah. the healing that took wow. place that day was it was deep. Yeah. It was a deeper still yeah. experience. Right. Yeah. Now I don't want people to miss um, just the humility of what you're sharing and some of the um, male female healing that can happen because they might be triggered by you're the head of the household, you're the mother of the household. So I just right, want right, to put right. that out there sure. because. I, I want people who are listening who maybe don't agree with that exactly to understand. Um, Cause I kept thinking as you were talking, we can disagree about that piece. Sure, sure. Fine. You know, scripturally even, but I think the piece I've been wanting to ask you um, is, could you speak? I'll be honest. I have a hard time sometimes trusting men to speak into the abortion issue. And this is wrong. This is my own thing. Because so much of the shame and responsibility is on the woman. And mm-hmm. I think I've heard so many stories about men walking away. And I don't want to be that way. I want to be changed. Yes. I want to understand the healthy, um, positive relationship that can come from men and women talking about this together. And so I wanted to ask you, when you had this encounter where God said you were there, you were silent, you didn't do anything... Was there something that came to you that you would have liked to do or would have liked to said? And I'm asking this because I think this can be healing. Am I making sense? Yes. For the male-female fracture that comes sometimes in this conversation. So I would like you to speak to that. Was there anything like that? Do you have thoughts on that? Because you're a man I trust Mm -hmm. right now to speak into abortion. And Mm -hmm. I'm finding some healing in this. So could you talk a bit more about that? I think that is a powerful question that, deserves a lot of thought. And I think maybe two things that come to mind in this moment, I mean, I would love to process that more. And we can, you don't have to, yeah, be put on the spot here, but yeah. Yeah. I think one of those is maybe from, from the woman's perspective, being able to ask the honest question, you know, how, how do you feel about the fact that we are pregnant, that we are going to have a a child. Mm. And I think I'm just reflecting on the circumstances surrounding my own situation. I was 18 at the time. And the decision was made in our case. It wasn't one of, hey, we don't have the money, or it was genuinely very selfish. It was, I don't want to ruin my body. We're too young. And, And from a sexual perspective, personally, it was, yeah, I don't you know, I just, we want to keep having sex without repercussions mm-hmm. and that's going to get in the way of us. And we lived the material lifestyle for a while until it came crashing down. Yeah. And so what if instead it, it wasn't a unilateral decision, um, but it was a conversation. Just asking questions. Saying, you know, what are the options? Um, what else could we do? Yeah. Is it is this way the only way? We didn't even we didn't even have a dialogue. Mm. It was this is what I think, and I just kind of passively went along with All it. Right. Um, and I think if you're a guy listening to this, um, hopefully pre. <laughs> 
you know, b- before the situation, just being able to say, hey, wait, I think I have some thoughts about this or can can we talk, talk to it. someone yeah. else mm-hmm. who could give us some perspectives? I think, so here's the interesting thing here in Tucson, there are people that will go to, and I understand this is kind of a, it's a charged conversation, but there are people who will go to Planned Parenthood for input and they'll also go to Hands of Hope for, for input That's great. and yeah. it's two different Getting sides, you know, yeah. but at least, at least they're asking, Yeah, right. you know, it's an informed Processing. decision. Right. right. Yeah. Well, I want to speak some just freedom and perspective, and you've heard us say this in the research. I mean, what you describe as materialistic and selfish really is an emotional shutdown. Sure. So if you can give your 18-year-old self some grace and give her some grace, it is this huge thing of my life is over. Yeah. So what comes right. out of our mouth sure. may sound those things, but yeah. we know from research yeah. what's really going on is yeah. much deeper. So it isn't surprising sure. that you weren't able to say, let's have a conversation, and she wasn't able to say, let's have a conversation, because there's so much emotion there and I think that's what we want to make people aware yeah. of so that if someone experiences this like hey you're not alone we get that this is so emotionally charged but if we could just stop and try to talk to each yeah. other could that start to bring healing but right. it's not surprising you didn't right right just because it's a survival instinct does that sure. make sense yeah yeah. And I think as Angie and I are on this journey and, and I'm hearing it in your story, we're seeing such strongholds. And I really think, again, you know, that's not man, that's from the evil one. And, and we're, we're, we're obviously living in that and there's some blinders on, but one is the way through this whole issue and how it's played out that he's divided the man and the woman. Yeah. yeah. And there, and we've heard mm-hmm. so many stories like yours that there isn't yeah. communication. Mm-hmm. There isn't a conversation mm-hmm. because one's afraid there is, there's fear of even going toward that together. And so a decision's made. And, and so, you know, we see that needs to be broken. And I love the fact that you were in that room at, at deeper still, yeah. and you were being a man saying, you know, let's do this together instead yeah. of it just, just being women and, or just being men or whatever. Right. And the other um, stronghold, and you alluded to this too, is just the shame that we feel as believers in coming forward with our stuff and yeah. saying, this is me. You know, this is what I struggle with. This mm-hmm. is what I mm-hmm. struggled with till I was 18. You know, and and then your conversation in that group brought others to be able to say, can I share can I, and we see that every single time right. we, do, we do a training, just opening up these conversations and for pastors to be the first one to come and say, hey, let me tell you about my messy self. And, and then what God has done through your church and being able to create this culture of, of safety and, and no shame. And so I'm just wondering if you can speak to that. Do you see that sort of in the church community and what can we do? How can we change that so because again i think the evil one's having a heyday because we keep things a secret we're silent we're afraid to show our stuff Mm -hmm. and then we and there's judgment that comes along with that and you know what i mean it's Mm -hmm. almost we're protecting ourselves by judging others yeah sure but you've been able to break through that so yeah how can we see more of that it is interesting that you say we protect ourselves by judging others because i think in the times where i've experienced judgment from others it is 
readily apparent that there is something under there, yeah. you know, that needs to reveal itself right. time and time again, yeah. that's been presented. I think right. when you think of the, the community and the church and the opportunities that are there, you know, I, I, I think looking back at the 18 year old self, you know, being able to, with, with my girlfriend who became my wife later, you know, um, the two things, one, being able to have the conversation that we didn't have and two, yeah. being able to explore the options, yeah. Yeah. you know, on both sides, yeah. in, make an informed decision. Yeah. Um, I think in our community here, wherever you are, as you're listening to this, um, it is hard to share the first time mm. and it does get easier the second yeah. time. But mm. here's the thing when I think of like the Old Testament verse about, you know, the beauty, the beauty for ashes, yeah. you know, how the Lord would take those, the, the ashes and exchange them with something beautiful, um, moving from the place where it's hard to tell the story to a place where now that story is being shared with people in a way that releases them from their own shame. Yes. And then here's the the pay it forward. I'm released f- because I've heard you tell the story and now I have hope and I'm telling the story yeah. to the people around me and to have invested in someone that was hopeless at one point and now see God use them to bring restoration to someone yeah else it just it just becomes this chain that continues to give exponentially and we're seeing that happen in this community you know one pastor says hey this was me and is there a safe place to share this Mm -hmm. and now multiple pastors are saying that and multiple congregations are experiencing healing and Mm -hmm. you know places in the community and this isn't just isolated to the church but here's the thing there are people that will listen to this podcast that don't want anything to do with the church Mm -hmm. and I was also that person you know it took me two straight years of going every Sunday before I even felt comfortable in a church Wait, well, you I, went not i went every sunday for two straight years mm. before i felt like i belonged wow. who would even do that Wait, yeah. why did you do that i did that i think mainly because the pastor and his wife were my clients when i was working for a local retail store and so uh, you know my first wife she said i i want a divorce and um, we were $50,000 in credit card debt. Yeah. And I was working three jobs and she was working one job and going to school to try and get us out. And we just crashed. We couldn't do it anymore. So when I called the pastor and said, hey, you're my client, but you're also a pastor, right? And he said, I am. And I said, would you pray to get my wife back? Mm. And I'm sobbing in the back room of this mm. retail store in the stock room. And he laughs at me. <gasps> and... It wasn't like a vindictive laugh. Yeah, okay. It was like a, that's a good question, Jeff. I could pray for you. Yes. He said, he said this, and this was so profound, but why don't we pray for God to change your heart? Mm. And my response was literally whatever, no, just, just pray. My wife. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, 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 but the let's change your heart. <laughs> Um, comment was the beginning of a journey wow. um, that has led here. And I would have never met. I tell people I didn't go into ministry. I was hijacked. <laughs> I was hijacked, you That's know? Great. And yeah. so oh. with the churches, um, as I'm sharing and, and aware that people are like, yeah, church is not the place I'm, there are lots of churches that are just not, not what we would hope that they could yeah. be. Yeah. And, you know, Right. I apologize for that, but I think the communities that do embrace people for who they are, yeah. that's powerful. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I think uh, we 
we want that in our Christian communities, but I think sometimes we feel we need to wait until we can say I was that mm. and not I am. Oh uh, yeah. Um, and we all are. Yes. I mean, we overcome <clears throat> some things and we enter into other brokenness or, or whatever. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and I, I th- again, I think that's a stronghold that we feel it's not safe to share who we are until we feel like we're on the other side of it. So then it's still a little bit of a pointing a finger at, you know, yeah. I was, you are, so now I can help you. It's still a little bit of, yeah. and, and we're so afraid and, yeah. and boy, we're seeing that, aren't we? And what's happening with, with the evangelical church today and, yes. and some of the things that are being revealed and, um, and pro grace. I, we, I, again, on our journey, it's like, I think God wants to break that. If the church is going to be the place of grace, the place where um, we can all find healing. Right. Right. Um, So there's something I feel like I should share that I don't want to share. Oh, okay. So no, no, no. What's great about this podcast. Yeah. So, so here's the thing. So I'm going to, but um, uh, when you talk about the was Mm -hmm. and is, when we started this church a year ago, um, there's a part of me that wants to justify this, but I can't. Uh, someone asked me to do something with social media that opened the door to pornography. Mm. And so when you talk about was and is, like that was very mm. much a part of the past. Yeah. And then it's dormant. Yeah. And then and it, it gets resurfaced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then it was this battle. It was this battle yeah. of, I don't want to deal with this and it's going to crush the blessing mm. that could be there. Yeah. And the secrets from Heather, my, my second wife, my now wife, yeah. um, amazing woman. Yeah, and you know, what does the church think of this? Yeah. And so thank God when you talk about the community, there are three guys here. My prayer in transition from California to Tucson was 15 years of ministry. Um, I had friends, but I was still lonely. If, if, if you can fathom that leadership sometimes is lonely. So coming here, the prayer was, would you give me a band of brothers? Mm. And so there were three guys, um, different life stages, different experiences. And I said, I need to confess something to you. Um, and here's how God revealed that there was a visitor that came here and said, we want, we want to talk about being part of the church. And so I scheduled time to meet with them and they sent me a text and they said, we're canceling. Um, God gave us a dream. We're not supposed to be a part of your church. Wow. And I said, that's weird, but I'm still coming. And they said, why are you still coming? Like we told you, you're not going to be a part of your church. And I said, cause it's not about my church. It's about you. So here was the deeper thing. I sat with them and he said, I can't explain it, but I had this dream that there was two of you. And so what are you hiding? Mm. And I was like, holy. Yeah. Yeah. And he said, whatever it is, God wants you to stop it. And what is it? Yeah. And I had to, and it was just me and him and his wife. Yeah. Wow. And how embarrassing is that? Like I'm talking to two women I respect right now. And I said, so here's the thing. I have been living the secret life. And he said, okay, so it needs to stop. And I was like, I know what I need to do because I've been here before. I just haven't had the courage. So I went home and I said, Heather, I know Mm. that we've had this in the past and it's here again. And she said, Jeff, I get it. She said, 
um, I love you still. Oh my goodness. You know what I mean? And she said, are you willing to put things on your devices? Right. Yes. And are you willing to have a conversation about that? And she probed areas that are uncomfortable to have her ask. And so the reason I'm sharing that with you is because you say what was, it's easy to talk about. And what is like, that's front and center. But here's the correlation. I am serving in areas, and, and so I'm sharing this with you, and maybe it's safe here on a podcast where we're not looking people in the eyes, but these things are integrated. Okay, it, oh, yeah. They are. I'm yeah. so thankful you're sharing oh, this. Yeah. Please keep talking. Yeah. They yeah. are integrated. So how do you serve in a church and you're dealing with that? How yeah. are you living a life? How am I? Right. Let me just speak yeah. personally. How am I yeah, serving yeah. in church right. and living one life and doing something else privately? Right. How am I one person in the community and a different person with my spouse? Yeah. How am I serving on a board, you know, regarding abortion and not saying, yeah. Hey, look, this is me still. Yeah. And here's the other thing in our context, literally across the street from Hope City Church is Party City. And Party City is, um, um, not a, a party rental place. It's a porn shop, you know? And Mm -hmm. so if people are praying, you know, that there, and here's the prayer, the prayer isn't shut it down and get rid of those people. God loves them too. So could they experience jobs that would bless their families in ways they haven't begun to realize? It's not, it's not unilateral, shut it down and scrape it under the rug. It's redemptive. Yeah. Right. And, but I had to look at these men and my wife and say, if we're praying for that, it's hypocritical to say that we don't want it when I'm a part of it. It's hypocritical to pray for the things that we want for people to experience when we're not comfortable, safe, um, able to share the things we struggle with. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so great. I just want to say, I'm so grateful that you're sharing. And I want to say all of us do things in our life that aren't in line with God's every day standard of perfection. <laughs> We're trying to meet our own needs. Yeah. So I look at this and there's no shame yeah. in you telling us this. I know people who struggle with pornography and so often there's wounds as little boys mm-hmm. that leads men to confuse sex for nurture. Sure. And you know what I'm saying? And so when we categorize like this is really dirty, but this is okay. It's like, right. no, yeah. every place we fall short of God's mark, right. we're trying to meet a need in our life right. that only he can meet. Yeah. And so there's just no difference. And the freedom of you saying yeah. this on this podcast mm-hmm. We have been talking, I know a lot of pastors struggle with pornography, Mm -hmm. and then we walk into the church and there's a hesitancy to open the church and have it be a safe place for women facing unintended pregnancy, and those things are connected. connected. They're connected. Right? Right. And so I'm really glad, and I I don't feel like I can say that as a woman sometimes, but since you brought it up, until, until we deal with... Why do we objectify other people, and, and why are we afraid the woman is the temptress and gonna like? What's that? Yeah, what's sure. that Again, really deep thing? It's that's a, based on old hurts and wounds, because yeah. right. that keeps us from extending grace then yeah. right. to women who are experiencing right. this. Does that make sense? And Absolutely. again, I think you guys have nailed a huge spiritual stronghold that if we can be real and honest, like you just have, Jeff, about this stuff. The evil one will have no power to continue to divide men from women, to continue to uh, hide all of our secrets behind our fear. Yes. uh, 
and this conversation right now is breaking that off. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This conversation right now. That's why we're mm-hmm. we're yeah. doing this. And um, and I know we don't have t- a lot of time to hear how God is using you. The amazing stories of what's going on at your church and the people that are coming here. But He's using you because you've opened yourself up yeah. to say, "This is me. This is messy me." Sure. And God's saying, "Okay, Jeff." Now I can use you. Right. Yeah. So um, that's it's beautiful. D- it's so I mean, powerful. to have people come into the church, uh, you know, that didn't feel, they don't feel comfortable here. And remembering that, you know, thinking back, God said after that two years, this thought came to mind, don't forget those last two years, because every day there are people that are afraid to come into my presence. And I love them. Yeah. yeah. I love them. Yeah. And I think, and they don't think they'll be loved, or they don't think yeah. they're welcome here. Yeah, and I, and I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, that's my prayer: is that mm. you'll find a community of people where where you will experience God's love, and it doesn't yeah. have to be inside the walls of a church, yeah. but He loves you right where you are. Yeah, right. Okay, and I'm going to confess something now because okay. I'm getting healed, yeah. and I'm feeling. I think that because of my past, I was raised in the '70s with a sweet dad who was also very macho and didn't realize how much he was objectifying women in front of me. So there's a lot of pain with Mm -hmm. that. My husband and I have been through a lot of pain in Christian circles. Mm -hmm. We were in this Christian ministry. We were given horrible advice Mm -hmm. about our sexual life together. And there were horrible gender roles assigned to us that aren't biblical, Uh a lot of pain. And then I get into this abortion issue and I see the men walking away from women and I see the pastors hiding things. And I just, I want to, I don't want to be held back by any hatred's too strong of a word, bitterness towards men. So that's my part as a woman. Mm -hmm. And I want to see that as just as wrong and blocking as a pornography addiction. I don't want to sit on this podcast interviewing people and not say that I have my own things. And that's where I'm feeling you, God is healing me through you today, Mm -hmm. Jeff, where I want to be more intentional to forgive the men in my life and to, and I will say things that are not very nice about male leaders who say bad things about women. Does that make sense? They say the bad thing about women and then I say really horrible things about them. Instead of saying they're hurt, they're wounded, they're, they're hurting out of this hurt. I'm not excusing what they're doing. I don't think it's wrong for me to call the thing bad. Sure. But I'm talking about a root of bitterness in my own yeah. heart towards those people or people like them. Yeah. That's just as destructive as right. a pornography addiction. And so right. I want to come out with that and say, I want to find freedom from that. Or I right. can call the thing wrong yeah. and acknowledge the hurt and then come to a community and say, I've been hurt. Pray that I get yeah. complete healing because I want to love these yeah. people while right. still standing up for justice so it sure. doesn't keep happening. Yeah. But Loving the actual people who perpetrated this mm-hmm. against me and other women. Yeah. Is that? That totally makes sense. Right, right. So, mm-hmm. yeah. And I appreciate you sharing that. It's yeah. all of us. And right. I think that we can't sit, I can't sit and listen to your story and go, oh, yeah, mm-hmm. poor Jeff, you've right. got stuff. I felt like sure. I needed to say, yeah. I've got stuff. Right. And yeah. it does, does come from her, but I'm trying to meet my own needs my own way. Yeah. And God has such an upside down way yeah. of yeah. forgiveness and love that I have to say, right. I've sinned in that too. And it's been blocking me I think from being as fully alive and able to do what he's called me to do here's the interesting connection with that because you're able to say those words someone's able to listen to that Um, I think there's an experience I've had friends call them divine appointments Mm -hmm. you don't see them coming Um, two days ago I was walking across our parking lot and there was a homeless person sitting there and uh, you know I bought him lunch and invited him in and we sat and we ate together 
And I just asked his story and he said, you know, I didn't used to be like this. And he was quoting the Bible better than I could. (laughs) And I'm thinking, you clearly understand, you know, scripture and you connect with God. But, and he goes, so why does God keep having me here? And it would be easy for anyone to create judgment there. But I said, when was the last time you heard from God? And what did he say to you? And he avoided the question twice. And I said, is there an answer? And he said, I don't want to answer. And I said, well, I mean, if you would. And he said, I struggle with pornography. Mm. And he said, and, and, and he mentioned masturbation, you know, it's not easy to say those words. And I couldn't have had that conversation with him. Mm. Like you're saying, if I was still in dealing with that, hiding that, you know, let's gloss over that and let's talk about something else. And I went home home and I talked to Heather and I said, guess what? You know, we got to have a conversation. Yeah. But I asked him, I said, how did other people talk to you, treat you when you when you mentioned that? And he said, they threw a book at me and said, read chapter one and talk to me next week. Wow. And he goes, that's no. not helpful. And no I said, you're right. right. You're yeah. right. Or you would have had that conversation with him with a judgmental tone. Yeah. Because you would have been hiding and then talking to him about his wrong behavior or whatever. And I again, I think that is happening so much. And I think more than we realize. And, and so I, I love, I just, you hope city church is a pro grace church. It is clearly a pro grace church. You've been through all of our stuff. We are part of, and it's because of you, Jeff, because you as the leader have said, this is who I am mm-hmm. and invited other people to be who they are. And let Jesus do the work. And so I just, I'm saying that because those who are listening and pastors, yeah. it's like, um, let's do this. We, we can. Right. Um, and I think God, again, he's, he's, he's ushering in a new, right. a new day with everything that's happening in the church. Right. And well, by you being honest, Jeff, I have been justifying my semi <laughs> hatred <laughs> bitterness toward men not my husband hi sweetie he knows he <laughs> this, but toward men in general yeah. for a long time and saying it was okay yeah. and so you being honest was like this holy spirit moment for me of him like that's not okay and i want you to share that and so i just think in this culture on social media where we're throwing the stone at other people. Mm-hmm. I think the Jesus healing is going to come. Yes. When we say, Jesus, look at the log in mm-hmm. my, I'm not afraid for you to look. I think we're yeah. afraid. I'm afraid because I want to look good yeah. to other people mm-hmm. or right. I want to look good to myself. But it's like, no, Jesus, your love is so important. I don't have to look good to anybody. I just want to be in relation with you. Yeah. Come look at the log in my own eye. And then he does turn that into beauty, beauty. Yeah. not yeah. just for us, but for other yeah. people. Yeah. So yeah. that's what I hope people hearing. Yeah. This is because we know that Jesus loves us. Yeah unconditionally, no matter what we do, that's the only way we get the courage to tell other people, right? Is if I know I'm accepted just like I am. And even if everybody else calls me a whatever, Jesus is going to love me. And then there's no better journey to be on than realizing that and then start sharing from that place. And, you know, that message gets said from the pulpit all the time. And then people go off. And stay hidden. So it's easier it's to say it in our heart. It's so right. much harder to actually do it. And Jeff, you've done it. Yeah. You've done it. 
And that's the beauty of the story. Well, and I hope you say it actually, because I don't think it gets said all the time in church. Well, say what? That God loves us unconditionally, yeah. just as we are. Yeah. The radical grace of Jesus. I don't think that gets said enough. Right. And, and clearly, and it doesn't not get lived, lived out. out. Right. So, right. Right. Yeah. I love that you preach yeah. it and you live it. Yeah. And that you shared it with us yeah, today. Thank yeah. you. I think so. it's a discipline to believe the best about the people mm. that are in front of us, yeah. you know, yeah. to truly believe the best, even, you know, in those difficult yeah. situations, yeah. seeing them for someone would see me for what I could be yeah. and, and acknowledge God. who I am and how God sees us. Yeah. Yeah. How how Jesus sees yeah. us. I always want to be more like him. Yeah. Oh my oh, gosh. Wow. I could keep going on with you guys. This is so good, yeah. but we'll go. Thank you, Jeff, for your, Honesty, I am inspired actually to be able to talk more. And I hope everybody listening has had an experience where you can go have these and other difficult conversations. Until next time, thanks.